Beginning of Mary Shelley's Journal of Sorrow, the 2nd of October, 1822. October 2nd, 1822, Genoa. On the 8th of July, I finished my journal. This is a curious coincidence. The date still remains the fatal 8th, monumental to show that all ended then. And I begin again? <laughs> Never. But several motives induce me, when the day has gone down and all is silent around me, steeped in sleep, to pen, as occasion wills, my reflections and feelings. First, I have now no friend. For eight years I communicated with unlimited freedom with one whose genius, far transcending mine, awakened and guided my thoughts. I conversed with him, rectified my errors of judgment, obtained new lights from him, and my mind was satisfied. Now I am alone. Oh, how alone! The stars may behold my tears and the winds drink my sighs, but my thoughts are a sealed treasure which I can confide to none. White paper, wilt thou be my confidant? I will trust thee fully, for none shall see what I write. But can I express all I feel? Have I the talent to give words to thoughts and feelings that as a tempest hurry me along? Is this the sand that the ever-flowing sea of thought would impress indelibly? Alas, I am alone. No eye answers mine. My voice can with none assume its natural modulation. All is show and I but a shadow. What a change. Oh, my beloved Shelley, is it not true that this heart was cold to thee? Tell me, for now you know all things, did I not in the deepest solitude of thought repeat to myself my good fortune in possessing you? How often during those happy days, happy though checkered, I thought how superiorly gifted I had been in being united to one to whom I could unveil myself and who could understand me. Well then, I am now reduced to these white pages which I am to blot with dark imagery. As I write, let me think what he would have said, if speaking thus to him he could have answered me. Yes, my own heart, I would fain know what you think of my desolate state, what you think I ought to do, what to think. I guess you would answer thus. Seek to know your own heart and learning what it best loves. Try to enjoy that. Well, I cast my eye around and looking forward to the bounded prospect in view, I ask myself what pleases me there. When I meditate or dream on my future life, one idea alone animates me. I think of friends and human intercourse. If I do not say how flat and unprofitable, I weep to think how unstable all that is. Those whom I most loved are gone forever. Those who held the second rank are absent, and among those near me, as yet I trust the disinterested affection of one alone, and perverse circumstances will, I fear, spoil our intercourse. My child, so many feelings arise when I think of him that I turn aside to think no more. Beneath all this, my imagination even flags. Literary labours, the improvement of my mind, and the enlargement of my ideas are the only occupations that elevate me from my lethargy. Methinks I was born to that end alone, since all events seem to lead me to that one point, and the courses of destiny, having dragged me to that single resting place, have left me. Father, mother, friend, husband, children, all made, as it were, the team that conducted me here, and now all except you, my poor boy, and you are necessary to the continuance of my life. All are gone, and I am left to fulfil my task. So be it. My heart would not permit me to seek another. 
but I have an intimate persuasion that if the elastic feelings of youth, which have not yet deserted me, should ever lead me to form other prospects, they would be blighted as these brightest have been, and I should be dragged back to the same necessity of seeking for the food of life and my intellect alone. Well, good night, good book, book dedicated to silence, Knight and Shelley. Good night, Matir consecrates your use and a full heart. Pone argine alle sue acque silenziale until I open you again.